Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We have one more hour to go before you hear from Willie P once again. I like the bot in the hour, man. Brian said, if you hate, excuse me, can't even pronounce the bug name. If you hate aphids, just deploy the ladybugs. Thank you, Brian. And Big Cat Dan, all he said was (laughs) the bot in the hour. LOL. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody's going to listen to that. How many downloads do you think that would get if we had that as a podcast on WFNZ.com? Uh, one probably from a troll. Yeah, I'd probably listen to it just to hear it back, and that would be about it. I don't even think Willie would listen to it. But I was trying to get to some important information for the people. Now, speaking of important information, we have been trying to get a national sound segment off of the ground for quite some time. We have not been able to think of a name for it. We've been trying to bring in, because there's so many sound bites. it's very similar to a what-did-you-say type of segment. You hear this a lot where everybody will be playing national sound to try to keep you up to date with what else is going on in the sports world. And so today, I don't think this is final imaging. I'm going to try to work on a different one. Do not hold this against me. This is not going to hold the same kind of prominence as Team Week intros are. So please don't come at me. But the live wire debuts right now with Fiddy leading the way. Go ahead, Fiddy. What you got for the first sound by Josh Fiddy Marlowe? All right, guys. So this kind of came out at the end of last week, but y'all saw the, the comments that Sean Payton made about former Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett who was Aaron Rodgers' offensive coordinator in Green Bay. He's now resurfaced with the Hall of Fame quarterback with the New York Jets, right? Y'all, y- y'all saw the comps where he said it was the worst coaching job in NFL history? Sean we did. Yep. W- went after Nathaniel Hackett, and then Aaron Rodgers stood up for his boy. Yeah, he did. And here's what Aaron Rodgers had to say about the comments made by former Saints and now current Broncos head coach, Sean Payton. Those comments were very surprising. Um... To, for a coach to do that to another coach. My left for hat goes deep. You know, we had uh, some great years together in Green Bay. Captain Touch. Um, love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, uh, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And it made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. Well, I mean, a lot has been made about this. I've seen things the last couple of mornings before I 
drove in here about this and people are now getting excited and saying that, oh, Aaron Rodgers is turning over a new leaf. And I mean, he has the nerve to get on there and say that from a guy who throws his teammates and coaches under the bus more than anybody I've ever damn seen to cover up for his own mistakes. I don't want to hear anything he has to say trying to protect his coach and trying to down Sean Payton. I hope the Broncos beat the brakes off the Jets when they play him uh, to make him look silly. Like I said, he's up here just trying to get on somebody else for doing something that he's done for so long. So I don't want to hear get Aaron Rodgers out of here. Well, here's my my thing about Aaron Rodgers' comment is I don't think he's right in the sense that Sean Payton is trying to cushion his downfall if it were to happen with Denver because what he said was it was such a bad coaching job last year that it's clearly easy to win with this group of players. So if Sean Payton does not win at a high level with this group of players, then he will be on the same level of Nathaniel Hackett, who he just roasted before the season even started. So I just don't think Aaron Rodgers is right to say it's his own insecurities. He's trying to cushion any downfall that he might have. That's not how I heard it at all. I kind of agree with him, though, in the sense of what is Sean doing? Just let Hackett go be unsuccessful somewhere else if you think he's this awful coach. So I agree with him in that part. I just don't know if that's the the message that Sean Payton was trying to portray. The thing is, if Sean does come in, win a lot of games, especially in that division, by the way, where we expect better things from the Chargers, and you know the Kansas City Chiefs reside there still, if he comes in and makes the postseason... Sean is going to be pounding his chest. Something serious. Yeah, and you already know. It. And this is a guy that won a lot with the Saints organization. Granted, he had Drew Brees, but he took a guy that a lot of people thought uh, was going to be finished after he had that shoulder injury in San Diego playing for the Chargers, man. So I think that Sean Payton, I didn't have a problem with what he said, and I think everybody knows it. That's why Nathaniel Hackett got fired after one year. This is my favorite exchange on the text line so far. Granny Pat wrote in, Aaron Rodgers is full of doo-doo. Wes said, tell him, Granny. Both with exclamation (laughs) points. Fantastic exchange. Fiddy, what else you got? All right. so a a big talking point this this summer has been the state of the running back position, how it's been devalued by the National Football League. Well, over the weekend, Colt star running back Jonathan Taylor he requested a trade, and uh, the Colts owner, Jim Ursay, a guy that's been known to make himself appear stupid in the media, well, he did it again over the weekend. I mean, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. I mean, you know, we know that. The national football rolls on. It doesn't matter, you know, who who comes and who goes. Uh, you know, and, and it's a privilege to be part of it. And now's the time, you know, for us to do our work. It's now's the time as an organization. And, um, you know, players that are, you know, 24, 25 years old, now's the time to seize the moment of greatness. And, and uh, um, look at uh, you know, both Jonathan and Quentin Nelson. I don't mind saying it. You know, they're two guys that have a legitimate chance of making the Hall of Fame. But there's a long way to go to get to that. A long way, you know. Um, but 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 the talent's there, and, and you see the magic and the special talent. So um, we just have to go forward and, and um, help cultivate that talent. Well, some people are born in advantageous situations, and Jim Irsay sounds like one of those because he does stupid thing after stupid thing, and this right here, he just said something very stupid. Uh, you don't treat arguably the best player in your organization 
uh, the way that he did and just say, well, if he's not in the league anymore, nobody's going to care, man, just because the guy wants to be compensated for the production that he's put up for this organization. This was not smart for him to say. This definitely shows that you don't really care uh, about your players. They're just pawns in the grand scheme of things for you. And uh, just added to the list of uh, unfortunate things that Jim Ursay has done in his tenure. He's the next owner that's going to be forced out, right? Like, like the NFL just got rid of Dan Snyder. He's got to be next on the list. <laughs> I think Jim Irsay is a fascinating character within football lore because he's also on the right side of history in quite a few topics. But also, you have these comments about how if I die and if Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, the league moves on. The problem is the league has not seen the league without an Irsay in it for a very long time. Right. And so this guy, I mean, his whole life is built upon the National Football League, whether it be the Baltimore Colts or whether it be the Indianapolis Colts. And then he steps in to, as you mentioned, an advantageous spot with nepotism surrounding, I mean, oozing out of the pores of the Indianapolis Colts organization. The problem is, man, you've actually seen some pretty smart decisions made by this guy over the years of him being the owner. It is very 50-50, whatever you're going to get. That's why I don't think he's going to be forced out. And what's hilarious, speaking of one of those right decisions, he was the guy that was in front of the let's get the bleep Dan Snyder out of the NFL movement. He was the guy. He was the one that was championing all of that, and that's absolutely the right decision. Not to say that he doesn't say stupid stuff, because this 100% is really tone deaf. Really tone deaf. And then he's like, seize the day. Like, it's just a bunch <laughs> of nonsense. Ridiculous. How, how are they going to seize the day? You want him to have a great season. So even me, a guy that thinks I'm a little bit wary about paying running backs, even me, you're going to say seize the day and then give this guy a vet minimum contract or move off of him like you did with Marshall Falk? Like the Colts did with Marshall Falk in his prime and then yep. trade him to the Rams? They've been, in, they've been in front of the running backs don't matter movement for a long time. You know, they even drafted Edron James. They move off of him before he enters the twilight of his career, goes to the Cardinals, and then they win a Super Bowl after they move off of Edron James. And they've been out in front of this movement for quite some time. Fascinating, dude. All right. Well, because that happened over the weekend, that prompted the media to ask rookie first-year head coach Shane Steichen, does he think he'll get the chance to coach Taylor this upcoming season? Shane, as you guys plan, are you expecting JT to play this year for you? Yeah, right now he's on this football team. Football team and when the medical staff clears him, he should be out here. What a coach answer. Well, I mean, right. yeah. Yeah, this is. Is I, he on the football team? I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what JT would say either. This is this is the problem, too. When Jim Mersey opens his mouth and then you have a side-by-side press conference with Jim Mersey and Chris Ballard welcoming interim coach Jeff Saturday, who hadn't coached a game in his life on any level. And anytime Jim Irsay talks, you can see Chris Ballard. He's almost like pinching his side behind the desk because he's in so much pain. He just wants to think he any and about anything else. He wants to be anywhere else besides that press conference. While Jim Irsay is answering some of the questions as to why Jeff Saturday is the head coach. Now Shane Steichen is doing that as he is the permanent head coach of the Colts, at least in, you know, until whatever win-loss record comes their way. Now he's having to answer for the owner. Anyway, yeah. I, Jim Irsay, he really is really interesting on a lot of accounts. All right, we're going to finish with a soundbite that might that might start a whole topic on tomorrow's show, but this morning on Get Up, Mike Greenberg unveiled what quarterback he think will be he thinks will be the next superstar in the in the National Football League. I would like to take a moment to remind you of a young man that I fear you may have forgotten. 
Once upon a time, he was the number one prospect in his high school class. He was a spot ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Then he threw 67 touchdowns and nine interceptions in college and led his teams to the playoff both seasons that he started. Of course, you know who I'm talking about. He's Justin Fields. And it's understandable if all those things have slipped your mind based on what has happened since. In two NFL seasons leading absolutely terrible teams, he has won just five of his 25 starts, and he has fumbled, been sacked, or intercepted 140 times. That's the most of any player over those two years. It's been so unsightly that some people thought the Bears should have used the number one pick this spring on a new quarterback. Well, let me tell you why they didn't. Because starting in week seven last season, while he was running for his life and throwing to a receiving core that can at best be called pedestrian, Fields had the fourth best QBR in the league behind only Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen. The people of Chicago have been waiting all of their lives, like a century plus, for what they are finally about to have. Write it down. Justin Fields is going to be the next superstar quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I'm with this 100%. Write it down. I've said before that this guy's passing uh, acumen when you talk about what he did at Ohio State, what he was coming out of high school. Justin Fields is a passer first. And a lot of people are getting the narrative twisted just because of the numbers he put up last year. Didn't have a receiver over 500 yards or four touchdowns. Their best receiver last year was Cole Komet who had 544 yards. He now has D.J. Moore. Uh, they fortified the right side of that offensive line when they uh, signed starting guard Nate Davis from the Tennessee Titans and got Darnell Wright in the first round of the draft, and his tape was nasty, 10th overall to be exact. So they shored up that line. He's got a decent running game. He's got some receivers now. I think we are certainly about to see the best of Justin Fields. He was sacked 36 times in 12 games played his rookie season. He was sacked 55 times it led the league in just 15 games he started last year and he had 17 touchdown passes only 11 interceptions i do think justin fields is going to be a good player i do and i feel confident in his talent finished ninth in the mvp race last year top 10 interesting i know you can point to the media getting that wrong if you want to but also was putting up some pretty interesting numbers there really like justin fields hopefully that offensive line with the help of former charlotte 49er nate davis hopefully they can uh, uh get things back on the right track in chicago that'll do it for the live wire debuting that segment for the first time here on Weston Walker. We'll move on and talk a little more about Jeremy Chin. Maybe a couple of the Carolina Panthers with the most to lose this upcoming season. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Thirst in the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button on those socials. All of them, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at Walker Mail, at West Bryant underscore 72, and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram as well. Talking during the break, Joe Burrow appears to be one of the guys added to the great Netflix documentary series quarterback produced by Peyton Manning in Omaha. Okay, so Burrow is a guy that a lot of people will want to see. We know the swag. We know he's one of the great players in the NFL today. But we were also talking about who else that you might want to see. And uh, my choice is I actually had a video about that on my social media where I said uh, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, along with Joe Burrow, uh, would be three guys that I would like to see. I'd heard Jalen Hurts had turned them down. I think they approached him as well. But we were just talking about during the break, if you wanted to follow the format, having, uh, I guess, a, a rock star, then a guy that's maybe on that next tier, and then a guy that's on a lower tier, a la how they had Marcus Mariota, who would you want some of those guys to be, Walker? Do you have your trio? All right, so I'm going to come up with a trio. Maybe we can send this to the text line. What QB documentary would you most want to watch? And then we can all get basically the free space on the bingo card with Joe Burrow since he's already announced if you want to. So I've got Joe Burrow for the second-tier guy because you can't just pick all-stars, all right? That's not going to happen. It's not what happened last time. So Joe Burrow, number one for me. Geno Smith is good. We talked about him during the break. We talked about a lot of guys during the break. David Carr was another one, but I'm going to go with Geno. Geno Smith is going to be the guy. And then a lower tier guy that nobody talked about. Jordan Love filling the shoes Mm -hmm. of one Aaron Rodgers. That's good. Playing for a historic franchise like the Green Bay Packers. Having waited his time now, a couple years now that Rodgers is with the New York Jets. I think those would be my three picks for the next QB uh, documentary series. All right. Casey, Steve, he said Fields turned them down, which I did talk about right. that during the break. So I guess I need to take him out. So then I'm going to insert uh, one Brock Purdy. And I know a lot of people will say surprise, surprise. But I think it would be interesting to see uh, a quarterback (laughs) that came from obscurity, especially if he has a season similar to what he had last year. Uh, I think that would be cool. Fiddy, do you have a trio? Well, who's your other one, right? So you have Joe Burrow. I had Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Brock Purdy. I feel like Trevor's too good. Well, you have Mahomes. You're right because he's better than Justin Herbert. You have Mahomes, though. Well, no, I'm saying with Joe Burrow already in the mix. Oh, okay, okay. He's you know too good for a second. Well, I mean, I Kirk like Cousins is a multi-time pro bowler. Yeah, but he's not Pat Mahomes. There needs to be a gap, right? So what is what is the gap? And I don't know, like, is the gap big enough between Trevor Lawrence and your boy, Joe Burrow, for there to be that kind of significant, clearly different tier? Because if we think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the real deal this season, Calvin Ridley, Doug Peterson working mm-hmm. very well with QBs, we're talking about him exploding onto the scene. You want to go season. a cagey vet thing because that's what Kirk Cousins is a vet, that's Pro what I'm Bowl thinking. type of vet. That's okay. what I'm thinking. I just think Trevor Lawrence is going right, to be so too good. So would Dak Prescott fit the bill? I think so. I've always liked Dak Prescott, but yeah, if Dak I'm just Prescott taking the national opinion, pick. I think that's probably good because, man. Probably fits right alongside the Kirk Cousins model. Jack on the text line has a good one as well. Russell Wilson, I think, would be good. Guy that was a superstar, had a down year, yeah. redemption season coming up. Fitty, do you have a trio? I haven't even watched the original yet, have you? No, I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. I watched it all last week. It was fantastic. So I would go Burrow. He's my favorite. He's my favorite quarterback in the NFL. We know. Um. So Burrow, 
I hate him to death, but I think Kenny Pickett becoming the next quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nice How do you hate him to death? Just ACC stuff? No, I, I hate the team. I hate Pittsburgh. I thought you, uh, We agree on that one. I know, but I thought you said <laughs> I hate him to death. No. I was like, how is there an opinion strong enough to hate Kenny Pickett? I no. didn't realize anybody could hate him. And, and, and since Walker took David Carr, I'll take his brother, an active quarterback in the league. I'll take Derek Carr. I did say David Carr. I did. <laughs> I did. And I realized that as well. Yeah, nobody said. I think, yeah, Duke David. David Carr is long gone. No, Derek Carr, that'd be interesting just because we have the changing teams narrative. The only one you had that with last year was Marcus Mariota, and Mariota wasn't the most thrilling of quarterbacks that they showed on the QB no, doc last year. He was not a great choice, uh, in my opinion. What you got, Fiddy? I was just going to take out my facetiousness, take out Carr, give me Jared Goff. That way, if we were ever to do our top 10 on the field again, Walker could come to the senses that, that Jared Goff's a better quarterback than he was trying to make him out to be last year. Why? Because just because the QB documentary I mean, put him it, as a feature? You came back in. I mean, you were crying over how great Kirk Cousins was, and I think Jared Goff's a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Why are we Why are we lying about this stuff? Because right. it's Tuesday. Why is Fiddy lying? I was crying about I think I actively fought about how Kirk Cousins wasn't a top 10 QB or certainly top five. This is this is the problem, man. Fiddy, I don't know what's been going on after three days without us, after a week without all of us being in the studio, but now he's just coming up with stuff that's not even real. Can you help me out, Wes, or is he just long gone like David Carr is? Yeah, you know Fiddy, man. He's just going to do what he does. <laughs> I feel like that's the case. Yeah, we've got some good text coming in, though. As far as some of the guys that you'd like to see featured, Jared Goff, Wolfpack James wrote that in. A couple of guys wrote Jared Goff. I think that's a good one, too, because we, we had a little bit of the reclamation year last year because he was good. I'm not going to take that away from him. Detroit's offense was fun. I just don't know how interesting Jared Goff is. Like, I genuinely don't know. Yeah, it's, it's not a slight. I just have no clue what his personality is. I know at the beginning of his career, probably not great, but also rookie QBs are like that sometimes. Hard knocks. He wasn't riveting i can't say when i was watching him he captivated me when he was on screen now cj stroud is one from homesick panther or bryce young a rookie would be really cool oh no would doubt. love to see a rookie. you got three great choices there you do i was gonna ask you guys because we feel like this might be like the last year hard knocks is, is really worth investing in is, is this going to be the next thing nfl fans invest themselves in from a viewership standpoint is this quarterback documentary because i think the, the more that it gets popular I think this will grow to maybe we get established quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, or something like that. I think that Hard Knocks definitely isn't done. I think it just depends on what team you get. I'm very excited for the Jets this year. I think that's going to be pretty cool. It's their second go-round, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But I think if you can get good teams on there, don't give me the Detroit Lions with not a lot of stars. Your biggest star is arguably your draft pick. So, uh, But in those regards, I would want to see some of the top teams. Like Obviously, I would want to see my 49ers or – uh, some different organizations that are some of the best in the league. The problem with Hard Knocks is that it's too protected. It is a league product, so they're only going to show you something that allows the league to be in good graces after the product is out there. Omaha Productions, while working with the NFL, while working with quarterbacks, I saw more, and granted, I am not one that watches Hard Knocks every single season and gets really into it, 
but it's too filtered. It's too cleansed, right? We want some of the the dirty stuff that comes with all of the injuries that these quarterbacks are experiencing, like we saw from Kirk Cousins, like we saw with Pat Mahomes. It felt more unfiltered, which is why everyone loves it. You are getting a more transparent look at the quarterback position than we've ever received before, in my opinion, and I think that's why it's so good. Well, if we did the Panthers on there, that would be interesting as well, especially with Bryce Young and the crew, and we could see a different players and one of the best parts about hard knocks is also getting the stories on guys and so we talked about going into the break uh guys that would have the most to lose in 2023 that's also our question of the day on all the social media platforms and so i guess i'll kick things off saying that if i was to look at a guy with the most to lose i'm gonna look at uh, a guy like Derek brown because i said that uh we know that he was be kind of inconsistent coming into last season stepped up had the best season of his career he stands to get paid next after Brian Burns. But I would say that unless they get something done this season, if he doesn't have that kind of season that kind of reverts back to what we saw beforehand with the inconsistent play, then he could lose a significant chunk of that bag and then the Panthers organization be looking at him a little bit differently. So I'm going to go with Derek Brown as far as my guy with most to lose, with the most to lose in 2023. How much faith do you have in Derek Brown picking up where he left off though last year? Because I think anybody would agree if it plummets, then sure, Derek Brown has a lot to lose building off of a good season. But how much faith do you have in him not allowing that to happen because he was very good last year. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, too, because the the funny part about it is the timing of the new defense coming in with the new base scheme, uh, that 34, him moving out to that defensive end spot to see how he's going to adjust to that because, in my opinion, I think he's a three uh, technique at his core, and that's where he does a lot of his uh, disruption. But I think it's going to be interesting to see if that plays into it because in the 34, a lot of the defensive ends, uh, they get a lot of stats that are not going to – make uh, the stat sheet so to speak as far as just taking up blockers and doing things to make that defense successful yeah QC Sam is taking my answer here Jeremy Chin by far has the most to lose it's a make or break year for him Jeremy Chin was the answer that I put out there that you can find on our social media accounts. I know I stole it from Fitty. The only reason he went with a different answer was to not replicate mine. But I think that's the guy. And I have a lot of faith in Jeremy Chin too to be honest with you. To me there's just too much talent there. I just, I believe too much in him being a second round pick, okay? Already a talented guy, but made us quickly forget about Isaiah Simmons after he was so talked about to be taken in the first round instead of Derek Brown. And then everybody's like, all right, if this was the plan all along, I can live with this. Take Derek Brown in the first, take Jeremy Chin in the second. And then watch him thrive in his rookie role. Here's Jeremy Chin talking about some of his conversations with Jero Avero, the new defensive coordinator in town. Talking to Avero, he's he's very you know he's, he has a great defensive mind, uh, really great just football mind in general. Um, I think everybody knows that. So uh, really, just for me personally, just learning as much as I can from him and wherever he has for me, um, just lining up in that position. I know he. He sees, we've talked about my strengths and stuff, so he's going to put me in, in my position, in those positions, to, you know, towards my strengths. So, What have those strengths excited. been? Um, you know, playing closer to the box, you know, obviously is something I did, you know, early on in my career. Um, but, you know, also just playing in a slot and getting more comfortable there and, you know, just certain certain things, you know, bringing me on certain pressures and really just moving around and changing the picture after the offense. I'm excited. I think it's going to be exactly what Jeremy Chin needs. I think Jero Avero coming in with that bright mind. I think we're going to see the ability that Jeremy Chin possesses in a lot of different ways. And then once we asked him about some of those strengths, 
he started to detail his answer a little more, playing closer to the line of scrimmage. I did want to play this other sound by Jeremy Chin had because Wes asked him, what do you say to the people that are questioning your ability right now? Something to that effect, mm-hmm. saying, hey, it's not the same Jeremy Chin that performed so well in his rookie season. Here's how Chin answered. I feel like I was a lot further from the action. Uh, really didn't make those uh, explosive plays that I, I did my rookie season. And that's probably where most of the questions came from. But, um, you know, I'm here to answer any questions anybody has about me. This is somebody who wants to get close to the football. Jeremy <laughs> Chin wants to get as close to the football as possible. That's how he answered both of the questions. We asked him kind of a varied version of it a few different times. And he mm-hmm. probably was frustrated that because of that. But at the same time, I think we got an answer. Jeremy Chin feels like he's going to be playing closer to the football this year, whether it be in the slot. Maybe you can bring him on some cornerback blitzes from the slot. I think that would be real fun to watch what you can do in that regard, but also just have him, you know, create pressure on the quarterback and be closer to where he can make some of those plays. You're you're hearing him. If you listen close enough, you're hearing his role, what it's going to be in this new defense. Yeah, and so I think that uh, he's got to be excited. And the main thing was just, Figuring out, you know, this was a guy that I'm sure a lot of people had questions about as far as the casual fan not understanding roles changing and things of that nature. How this guy went from being a guy that was making plays all over the football field to a guy that many people were questioning, was he going to be able to continue to be a productive player for this organization? But you could tell, man, and and I hope that he stays healthy because in this defense, I know he had to be excited that a coach finally gets him. You know, people love to say that uh, that person gets them, and I think he feels like Evero gets him and how to use him to the best of his ability. So now I think he just wants to just get out there each and every day, and especially in game time situations and show people I'm still that guy. Well, and we talk about the cornerback injury, J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson, either one of them. Jeremy Chin played 11 games last season. And so with him missing so much time, I think that's also a point to bring up that isn't talked about nearly as much. And so when you see the quote-unquote lack of production from Jeremy Chin, he missed five games. I think he was trying to come back too, especially with the way that coaching staff and that training staff operated last year. They try to bring guys back when they're a little banged up still. And Jeremy Chin was trying to make it work and don't know if he was as effective as he had been in previous seasons, especially his rookie year. Plus, this is a guy that's 25 years old. Okay, like he's not even close to 30. I I have a lot of faith that he can figure it out again, as I've mentioned before, too much ability with a bright mind now calling those plays. Even if I like Phil Snow, sometimes coaches and players, they just don't have a great marriage. It worked with Derek Brown. Those guys made it work. You can see with other players on the defensive side, Frankie Luvu, Phil Snow. I mean, that seemed to work out pretty well with Luvu having a big-time breakout year. And then eventually, I guess, when Phil Snow moves on, you have Steve Wilkes and a different play caller there on the defensive side. But at the same time, it doesn't work out for everybody. And I think that might be the case with Chin. I expect big things from him this year. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got to be excited, as I said, to get in a scheme that's going to take advantage of his strengths, and we'll see uh, what he does with it and if he does indeed get back to that form. But for right now, let's get Fitty in his form with the last flash of the day. Fitty. Wes, you mentioned uh, your ACC ballot earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. The media results are in from the ballot, which I filled out. You filled out. Walker said he was too good to fill out. That's exactly what I said. But the media has selected Clemson and Florida State 
who finished top two in the league and meet in the ACC championship game with my heels. My heels coming in third. Well, she's been a big doubter of Florida State. Did last week's ACC kickoff maybe change your mind in one way or another? Uh, not really. I did vote them third in the league, but uh, no, it didn't really change my opinion of them one way or the other. Duke was second for you? They were. Who's your top five real quickly off the top of the dome? Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Pitt, and Miami. All right. Ooh. It's really quickly. Yeah. yeah. Miami. You didn't like the Miami mention? I just did I did I just not hear North Carolina in the top no, five? No, you didn't. Yeah, the best quarterback in the conference. Yeah, they do. But uh a lot of new parts on offense and that defense is still a little bit suspect. I mean, I put him at six. So uh, assuming that doesn't happen, <laughs> will you start engaging in the smoke I have for Mac Brown if they don't finish in the top five? Uh not really because I think that Carolina is <laughs> you, 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 you just like Grandpa Brown. <laughs> no, no, I just think that just the fact that like I said he He's got a lot of new pieces, man. No Josh Downs, as I said, that defense. Are they going to be able to keep teams under 400 points per game next season? That's going to be uh, <laughs> vital for them, too. So I, I'm not sure, man. That offensive line last year was a little dicey, giving up 40 sacks. So it's going to be very intriguing to see how Carolina looks coming out. They'll add more points per game than you have rest of the games in the MLB yeah, schedule. they definitely did, or about the 400. same. Yeah, at least. It's pretty close. Speaking of the MLB, well, let's just do it for the last segment. We have not gotten to the visit to the mound yet. Let's do it on the other side. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, Dad. It's going to be a short game and i got to get home for lunch. If my dog was as ugly as you, I'd shave his butt. You tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked? You think she'd go out with me? Time to end this show with a good old visit to the mound. It is MLB trade deadline day. We did not play any breaking news sound bites. We did get a Rich Hill nickname reference. We did have at least one trade for you on Wesson Walker. But hmm. Fitty can tell us what's going on in the world of Major League Baseball. What you got here, Fitty? All right. Well, so the big news coming into today with Shohei Otani taken off the market. I think it was last Tuesday or Wednesday, so right after our visit to the mound last week. The big target today is will the will the Mets trade Justin Verlander before the 6 o'clock deadline? Buster only joined it up this morning. He talked about that with Mike Greenberg. 
Yes, I think the blueprint for a Verlander trade was laid out the other day when the Mets traded Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers. They've been having conversations with other teams, in particular the Houston Astros, Los Angeles Dodgers, about moving Verlander. And the Mets are willing to eat a lot of the money that owed to him, $43 million for next year. He has a vesting option for $35 million the year after that. The Mets are looking for a major prospect back. And I think he'll find a landing spot. I think Justin, who is a full no trade clause, will approve a deal. The team that should be in on this are the Orioles. Like, they would be a perfect fit. Verlander, Virginia native, would be going back home. The Orioles have prospects to deal. The Mets will pay down the money. The Orioles are in first place. Boy, that would be a team that would be transformed by the addition of a future Hall of Famer at the front of their rotation. An update on the Verlander sweepstakes. Two teams that were in on him. Where the Padres and the Giants are now out of they're now out of the running for Justin Verlander, and I want to talk about the Orioles because our morning host, you know, our, our, our morning host Chris McLean, diehard diehard Orioles fan, said this morning that uh, he doesn't want his team to trade for Justin Verlander. And I've listened to Mac on the radio for over 15 years. Hmm. It's one of the dumbest takes I've ever heard in my life. As a lifelong fan of an organization that's been irrelevant for the last half decade, and they haven't made the World Series in my lifetime. It's one of the best pitchers of all time. So my question is, what's his contract look like? Well, because he is 40 years old. Yeah, the problem is is uh, the Mets have an owner that's got billions of dollars. They're paying Max Scherzer $36 million the next year and a half to not pitch for them. They'll pay the same thing to move Justin Verlander. If I'm an Orioles fan, you're in first place in the AL. You've got a legitimate shot to win a World Series. If you add a Hall of Fame pitcher like Justin Verlander is to your roster, you you should want your team to go after him, knowing that the Mets are going to pay down his contract. How many more years does he have? He's playing well still, man. Honestly, his reference page, it's still... I'm in on this contract. So he's got he's got next year, and then there's even an option that's that's oh. on the table for 25. Yeah, you gotta do that if you're Baltimore. That makes a lot of sense. And plus, it's just so crazy to think. I remember when Verlander was crazy coming onto the scene, and then he started to have a couple of down years, and you thought, oh well, it was just a short-lived hype, and then immediately got right back on track with Houston, even his later years in Detroit, and hasn't skipped a beat here, even with the Mets, and playing well with the Mets. And so yeah, I would imagine any of these teams that are contenders being by. My question is, with a couple of Mets fans in the Planet Kia studios, how surprised are you that the Mets are sellers? And how much of a disappointment is this year's team compared to years past? So, I mean, I mean, obviously the answer is very surprised. This team won 101 games a year ago. And you're you're on you have the worst winning percentage in the history of baseball of a team that won hundred years the, the year prior. So this is very surprising. Um, how disappointed am I that they're selling? I'm not. Because this is the right decision, and this is the problem. You know, we talked a lot about how Frank Reich, or not Frank Reich, how Dave Tepper's learning on the job as an owner. Steve Cohen's learning as an owner. He said when he bought the team, I want to win a World Series in three to five years. You can't buy championships in baseball anymore. And so he's rebuilding his farm system by trading away Max Scherzer and all these types of guys. So I, I don't hate it. They probably won't be competitive next year, but by 2025, they should be ready to compete again in the National League East. Wes, it seems like... The same thing Bobby Marks was talking to us about when we ask, what do you want from a new owner? Now, very different sport, but we were asking Bobby Marks, 
what should Charlotte fans want in new owners Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall? And so it's not about just throwing the money all over the place. Different sport, 100%, but it didn't exactly work out for Steve Cohen. Yeah, and it seems to be that they're building the right way because you're talking about the Orioles having quality prospects like a Jackson Holiday and those guys waiting in the wings to already join a, a team that's winning and has a chance to win a World Series. Oh! Thank you. There are, it is. Are, are, are you, do you see it on Twitter? Is this a verified account? Yes. Okay, go. This is Brokeback Jeff Passan. The Houston Astros wow. have a deal in place to acquire ace Justin Verlander oh, he's going from back. the New York Mets. Sources familiar with the agreement tell ESPN. What are the odds that we decided to talk about that right here <laughs> and now? And we were talking about it as Justin Verlander. Well, let's see if we can talk back. about winning a lottery and then if that'll happen, too. All right. So, I, I, what do you guys think of the chances that the Charlotte Hornets acquire Steph Curry? What do you think of the chances? <laughs> yeah, that's It'll be interesting wild. to see. It would be fantastic. But he's going back to Houston. He's huh? going back to Houston. Houston, we have a problem. Do we know about the return for the New York Mets? I have not seen anything yet. I just got a tweet from Flounder, a text from Willie. Nothing in terms of the return. I would imagine there's some pretty decent prospects coming in tow. Uh, here's the problem. Um, I'm playing MLB The Show, right? Mm -hmm. I've had to trade away all of these dudes, and it has made for a headache. And my team, which is 55 and 25, has gotten progressively worse, and it's really hard as hell to win. So the Mets not only screwed me in real life, they're also screwing me in the video game. Um, how good would you be since we had the interview with, um, who's my guy, Kingsley Braggs, Kingsley Crown Braggs playing in the 2K League? How good would you be in a The Show League if you were to go professional? In oh, rank? not not very. <laughs> well, I mean, like, don't get it wrong. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've gotten pretty good at it because mm -hmm. I've played 80-something games. But, I mean, like, I watch dudes that do this stuff right, like this guy for a living. It's ridiculous. If you had to go professional in any video game, Wes, what would that video game be for you? Uh, it would have been NCAA. You were good at it? Yeah, definitely. I took a lot of pride in NCAA. You might beat me the first game because I'm going to scout you out and figure out what you like to do, and then after that, it's a wrap. What about you, Fiddy? If you had to go professional in one video game, what would that video game be? Oh, yeah, definitely be NCAA. Yeah, oh, yeah, All right, definitely. we got two guys talking a lot of games, saying that they deserve to be paid for how good they are at NCAA <laughs> football. That's why we need the new video game to drop. I don't even know what it would be. I was pretty good at NBA Live back in the day. Oh, you were okay. a live guy? Yeah, well, I was, too. I well, liked live, live, too. Live was the game until 2K took over. Yeah. I mean, live, I don't even know if they're, do they even make games anymore? I don't I think, think they, they quit like a 19? No, they tried. They tried to come back again, and it just failed through. Mm -hmm. I was very good at Mario Kart, though. I'll oh, say yeah. that. Mario Kart would be the one. So Nintendo 64 edition, the only edition. I was not very good at the Wii. The, the whole motion sensor. Nah, man, just give me the good old classic Nintendo 64 controller, mm. and that's how I beat you. Yoshi, all day. That'll do it for Weston Walker. We will now send it off to Willie P. Filling in for Kyle Bailey on vacation. Smoke's still here, though, so stay tuned for the Kyle Bailey Show with Willie P. and Smoke Ludwig. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.